Well, today the text we want to spend a few moments with and let it speak to our hearts is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Paul is writing to a church he knows very well. If Paul were ever a located preacher, it was in the city of Ephesus, where we know he stayed at one time almost three years working with these people. So he knew them well. So as he speaks to them, he also speaks to us. Let's be standing, please, as we hear this, the word of God through his faithful servant, Paul. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, that's us, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. May God bless the reading of his word. Joshua and the army of Israel standing on the plains of the west bank of the Jordan faced an awesome task. Before them lay the city of Jericho. Jericho was a double-walled city. Attacking a walled city was difficult for any army much less this army that was rather new to battle. What could they do to overcome such an enemy? Well, Joshua said he had a plan. He said that God had given him this plan. And he told the army, here's what we're going to do. We are going to march around that city one time every day for six days. And along with us, we're going to have the priests carry the Ark of the Covenant, and blow on horns. And we're going to do that one time a day for six days. But on the seventh day, we're going to march around that big old wall of the city seven times. And then the priests are going to blow their horns, and we're all going to scream. That's not the usual plan of attack against a walled city. 
Now, usually what you would do is try to scout out some kind of weakness in the wall. Perhaps find one little niche where perhaps you could scale the wall or begin to knock it down enough so that you could get your army through it. In fact, those of you who are history buffs know that this is basically how that great walled city of Babylon years later fell. Uh, they thought they had an impregnable wall around their city, but they had a river that flowed through the city for their water supply, and Darius the Great, uh, the Persian king, came along and dammed the river up, and when it dried up, there was a tunnel right into the city. So you had to look for something like that. Although the usual attack against a wall city was to put it under siege. You just put your army all the way around the city and didn't allow anyone in or out and sat there and waited for them to run out of food and water and to surrender to you. But this idea of marching around a city for seven days, 13 times around in all, didn't seem to make a lot of sense. But there they went. I like to try to imagine that scene. I like to try to imagine the soldiers marching around the city holding their weapons. Now, some of them may be thinking, wow, God is good. God is really going to help us out. This is a marvelous plan that God has come up with to destroy this city. I trust God and I trust uh, Joshua, his servant. However, there had to be some guys marching around the city going, this is the dumbest thing. (laughs) What is going on here? We're going to march around the city, we're going to blow horns, and we're going to scream. All right. Now, also imagine the people in Jericho. Now, we already know from the story before this where the spies had gone into Jericho that the people of Jericho were scared of this army because they had heard they had been successful out there on the other side of the Jordan. And it said that their hearts were melting within them. So whenever they see the army coming up to them that first time, then you can know that the men got up there, they got all their their weapons ready, they were ready for whatever they were going to do, what were they going to do, how they were going to attack, and they just sit there and watch them march around the city and blow horns. And they go, what was that? That last day, they march around not once, but twice and three, and four, and five, and six, and seven. And then everybody lets out a mighty scream, and you know what happened. The walls came a-tumbling down. You know, God takes great delight in knocking down walls. It's one of his favorite things to do. We know that because there's so many stories in Scripture where God goes about knocking down walls. One of the other stories in the Bible where God knocked down walls is a story that the church has traditionally assigned to this day to be talked about throughout history. Today, for those of you who keep up with church calendar days, is Epiphany. And in Epiphany, we recognize a certain story told by Matthew in chapter 2. It's a story about some strange and mysterious people. Hey, Daryl, I'm glad you used the word mystery as you brought us to the table today because you heard that word a lot in our reading, too. And there are a lot of mysterious things that happen in Scripture. And the story told in Matthew chapter 2 is one of those great mysteries because it's a story about some guys who were from what was then called Persia. 
Today, if we were looking for Persia on our map, we would find Iraq and Iran. It was basically that area put together that was called Persia during those days. Now, these guys were of the aristocracy of Persia. They were highly educated. They were very powerful. They were the scientists of their day. And they were known as the king makers of their day because no one could rise to the throne unless they had these men's approval and no one could stay in power unless these men gave him the authority to stay in power. Now, the name that we call these men is magi or sometimes in our Bibles we translate it wise men. Now, There's not much more difference that you could see between people than between the Magi and the Jewish folks. Now, particularly when you look at the Magi and a carpenter's family with a small baby living in the city of Bethlehem. Talking about living in different worlds, miles apart, in so many ways, with a lot of walls in between. Yet you know this story. You know that even though these guys are very mysterious guys, even though they're people that we have trouble even understanding, they had a different religion, they had different concepts of God. Yet, through their studies of the night sky, they began to notice that there was something different going on. And some way, mysteriously, they interpreted that what was going on here, that there was this this new star that they had never seen before, that that meant that a new king had been born. Well, that was right up their alley. Because they were supposed to go, they, they gave kings the authority to be kings. And so therefore they decided mysteriously that they were going to, to follow this star. They were going to go where this star might lead them, however that worked, in order to see the new king who had been born. So off they went. This wasn't a small journey. This wasn't like, you know, going around the block or something. This was a major trip that these guys committed themselves to. Took a lot of months to get there. It took a lot of money to get there. And yet they traveled on all the way to the little nation of Judah. And we know the story there of their encounters with the present king, King Herod of Judah. But working through all of that, finally there they stand in front of this peasant's house in one of the smallest little towns and one of the most insignificant nations on all the earth. And here some of the most important people of their day walk in and kneel down and worship and pay homage and give their approval that this little baby would one day be king. Now, you talk about knocking down walls. In order to get that to happen, to get that group of people, a carpenter, his teenage wife, a small baby from Nazareth in Galilee 
living now in Bethlehem, into the same room with some of the most powerful men in the world. God loves to knock down walls. Now, the reason we're talking about this is, is because this is what Paul was celebrating in that long passage that we just read. You heard him talk a lot about mystery. And he sounded so excited, didn't he, about what God was now revealing for his people. And what he is so excited about is that there are no longer walls between us and our God. And because of that, there are no longer walls between us. Now, if you notice, he said, I've written about this, and you've read that. Well, we didn't read that. It was up in chapter 2. He used the same terminology as we're using right here. He said, the dividing wall of hostility, of suspicion, of fear, all of that dividing wall that stood between us and God and stood between us and other people, it has been torn down. It is gone. God loves to tear down walls. And he says, and this great mystery now is made known to us, and we experience it most fully and really in the, where? Church. Isn't that amazing? This is one of those passages that, that lifts up the value of church. And he it says, it's, it's in the church that God's wisdom, his manifold wisdom, His wisdom that is so full of meaning and variety and catches us by surprise. His wisdom is revealed to us in the church because what he has done, he has taken people that used to never have anything in common, anything to do with each other, and he's put them together inside a wallless church and made them into one group, one body. Now, the people that Paul is talking specifically about when he's writing It's about as amazing, or it is as amazing, as getting the the walls of Jericho to fall down, of getting Magi into a little peasant house in Bethlehem, because he's talking about putting Jews and Gentiles together. And that just didn't happen in that day. Those people just didn't like each other. They didn't associate with each other. And God says, all those walls have been destroyed I love walking around, kicking down walls, and saying, come on in. Now, part of what we are called to celebrate in the ministry and the mission of Jesus Christ is that he's knocked down those walls and that we now have free access to God. And more than that, even, or well, I shouldn't say more than that, because of that, is the right way of saying it. We now no longer have walls between ourselves. We've got to be careful about this because it seems like one of the ways we most quickly fail in our sincere efforts to be Christians and good church members is that we begin to bring some of the walls from the outside back in and putting them back up in church. It can happen so easily. It is so easy to walk inside this building with our own wall around us. 
You know, that, that is just impenetrable. You can't get through it. You know, I, I can't really reach you. You can't really reach me. We sometimes build walls around our close friends and those people who are kind of like us in church. And we look forward to coming and, and being with those who, who, who kind of, you know, we know, we feel comfortable with. And we feel so nice and warm and cozy within this wall that's around our group. But the wall is keeping others out. And there are people walking around and looking to make connection who keep running into the walls that we have built. Another wall that happens easily is a racial wall. You know, in my lifetime, it's been really good to see how much progress has been made in our society in general of knocking those walls down. But They still happen, and when they do, it is so frustrating. In this very body, just within the past two weeks, I encountered a family with a broken heart because they ran into that wall. And you think, wow, how can that be? How can that be that we would want to be separate from one another just because of a skin tone or a cultural difference? When God has knocked those walls down, And said they don't matter anymore. They're not there. Reach out to each other and embrace one another. This is the mystery of the church. This is God's wisdom within the church. We do it sometimes with age groups, you know. We get in our groups of of parents with children or, or, you know, some of us older folks. And, you know, we just sort of, that's our group and we run with them. And what a shame that is. When we don't cross those barriers and see that those barriers aren't there anymore, that we are all people who love the Lord and we are walking at different times through this journey of life and how valuable it is for those of us who are older to have you energy of the young and how valuable it is to the young to have the wisdom of the old. But sometimes we have walls there and we never get outside of those walls. The truth is, that Paul wanted to teach his people was that the church is a unique place. There are no walls there. And you can reach out to each other and experience the full fellowship that God intended for his creation. And you can do that primarily because the biggest wall of all, the wall that stood between us and God, is now gone. He says that in verse 12. Talking about Jesus Christ, he says, It's in Jesus Christ that we now have access to God in boldness and confidence. And that empowers us to live lives where we don't erect walls in our lives too because we experience what it's like to have the freedom and the access to reach out and actually touch God and for most importantly for Him to reach out and to touch us. But we've got to realize that. I was struggling along with this on how to say this, and we were standing around, I think it was Brian and Gina and Gene and I in the office. Uh, we do that on occasion. We don't do it very often. We don't waste y'all's time now, but sometimes we actually socialize, and we were talking, and uh, I don't know, Kevin, you may have been out there too. I don't know. It was, it was whoever was there this week. And we were talking, and 
Uh, I think it was uh, Gene brought up the idea of, of, of brought up the story I had told some years ago, and it always thrills my heart when someone remembers what I said up here, uh, <laughs> even if it's a story about my dog. You know, I thought, oh, well, somebody. Would. But anyway, she reminded me of a story about a dog that we had, our family had, that I had told. It, it, we had it in Tyler. Uh, it was a little um, dachshund. And it was a wonderful dog until it learned to dig out of the yard. Uh, it was, we babysat another dog, and that dog taught our dog how to dig out of the yard. We were, but anyway, it discovered how to finally dig out of the yard. So I spent a long time trying to figure out ways to, to make our fence where the dog could not get out. But I would work on this area, and it would go to that area. And it just, you know, the dog was always out. So finally, I was talking to a friend of mine, and he suggested, he said, well, he said, well, he owned a hardware store, so sure he's going to make sense. He said, we sell an electric fence. And uh, I said, oh, well, that sounds interesting. And, uh, you know, this, just, you just put a little wire around, and depending on how tall the dog is, you just set the, the wire at a level to where you know that if the dog is going to go past that wire, it's going to hit it and get a little electric shock. Or I thought a little electric shock. So I went out and got that, and I put that around, and I, and I cordoned off this square in our backyard. We had a big backyard, and I gave the dog a good, generous space there to run around in, but, you know, it was going to be kept in bounds by this wire. So finally, I got it all done and flipped the switch on and put the dog out. Well, here goes the dog, you know, heading for the fence, going to dig out, and I'm watching through the window. It got to that wire, and it stopped and looked at it and stuck its nose on it. And you would have thought someone had shot that dog. It screamed, and it did like a backflip, if I remember right. <laughs> yeah. And it came crawling back up to the door. And I was thinking, oh, man, I feel so bad. <laughs> yeah, I've electrocuted my dog. <laughs> and so I took the dog in and let it kind of recover. And I thought, but you know, she's learned her lesson. She'll stay in that square. Well, the next time I put her outside... She sat there and cowered up against the door. <laughs> she, she wouldn't even get out in the yard. I'd have to pick her up and take her out, and she would just stand there and shake in the yard. Well, I was feeling so bad. I thought, I can't keep doing this, this dog. I've traumatized it. So finally, I just went out and took the fence down. And I told her, you, you've got the backyard again. That dog lived the rest of her life within that imaginary square Never poked her nose outside of it again. I could take her and carry her outside the square and she'd run back in. We can live our lives like that. There used to be a wall between us and God. And because of our sinfulness, because we were earthly people, there were walls between us and other people. And we can just live like that. We can live without free access to him and without him being involved in our lives. We can live our lives with just in our walls of our family and a few friends and not care about those outside. Or we can celebrate with the Apostle Paul that the walls have been knocked down and that God is there for us to enter in and that we can join hands with people that are not like us and rejoice that we serve and love the same God. Let's stand and sing.